Hello, Dave. <laughs> yeah, hello. Yeah, all right. Hello. Welcome to Sustainable Eight. Blimey, crikey, Moses, are we eight already? Are we? Oh, we're practically at double figures. Almost at big school. Big school. Uh, how are you? Where are you? What's going on in Dave? What's land? going on? Well, I'm on holiday, and you're not. I'm in the People's Republic of North Somerset. I'm having a pint because I've deserved one. Um, and you're at work still, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I am hard at work. Not having a pint. I'm having a glass of lemon and barley water. So rock and roll. Uh, what have we got coming up this week, Dave? Exciting times this week. Oh, we have got the first ever Sustainable interview. Ooh. Ooh. We are going to be interviewing a chap called Martin Williams. If you don't know who he is, you will soon. He knows everything there is to know about what exactly the point is in elections and politicians and voting at all. Good stuff. And we've got some oil companies and we've got extremely innovative solutions to the global energy crisis, which I think, I do think you want to hear about that. Not what you might expect. And of course, America makes an honourable mention with a senator's snowball. Very good. Uh, Let's crack on, shall we? Let's. Sustainable of the week. So every week we have a little look at the world of environment and politics and see what nonsense has been spoken, what eco-guff has got our goat. And this week we have everyone's favourite oil company. Who is it, Dave? Oh, what a bunch of bastards. <laughs> no, uh, Ex- thank you. ExxonMobil. Exxon Exxon, you know Exxon Mobil. Mm-hmm. We were talking about them last week as the company who were amongst those doling out cash to shonky climate scientist Willie Soon. You remember Exxon Mobil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, uh, Willie yeah. Soon's but, gone all defensive this week as well, hasn't he? And uh, probably in response to this podcast, I'd imagine that's the impact we're having right now. Uh, well, okay. Well, I'm, I'm pleased that we've managed to shrink Willie's. Um, <laughs> well, uh, anyway, uh, so Exxon Mobil are. Doing something that on the face of it is quite good, right? Uh, You're not going to get me criticising what they're actually doing. So what they're doing is, there's a thing called Girl Day, right? And there's a a thing that happens every year at ExxonMobil where they introduce a girl to engineering, uh, in a special in a special day, right? And um, this is making that you know there's a valid point behind all this, which is that women are greatly underrepresented in yeah. science, technology, engineering, and maths, and there's not enough done to sort of reach out to them and persuade them that science is cool. And science is cool, particularly science that isn't made up by climate scientists who think they have Microsoft Excel that can do better than two and a half thousand climate scientists and all the world's knowledge. So um, good on ExxonMobil for taking part in that, even if I assume that everything they do is insidious propaganda. But they put out a Such press a cynic, release. I, Such a cynic. I know, I know, I know. They put out a press release, all, and um, they kind of they whittled on their chips a little bit, <laughs> to be honest with you, mate. They kind of... Um, they kind mean? of Well... So here's what they said. No, what, um, what does whittle on your chips mean? I've never heard that phrase. You haven't? No. Well, uh, would you like me to whittle on your chips? Not really. Right, well, there we are. <laughs> that's what it means. So 
Building on the success of their recent efforts, they say more than 2,000 middle school girls will take part in Introduce a Girl to Engineering Day. Um, and participants will have the opportunity to work with ExxonMobil employees who will blah, 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 blah. Uh, for example, demonstrating the energy industry's use of 3D technology. It's all right, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Water purification experiments. That's all right. Yeah, yeah. useful stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, um, well, should we should we see if Arabella can tell us what else uh, ExxonMobil are going to be introducing girls to engineering doing? Let's definitely do that. Over to my five-year-old niece, Arabella. And exploring the science of manufacturing cosmetics. Yeah, thanks, Arabella. Um, lovely to hear from you again. And that's right, ladies and gentlemen, what ExxonMobil intend to do to lure a new generation of women into the workforce is talk to them about how makeup is made. Mm, mm. Now, mm. now for the science girls. Oh, my God. It's like, it's like being in the 50s again. It's like, hey, girls, you know, buy this pretty apron or, uh, you know, do some, do some clever seams dressing because that is all you're interested in. Honestly, and as you were saying before, Anne, it's, it's actually a really good sort of, well, a relatively good press release talking about yeah. relatively good things. Why do they have to go and ruin it by saying, you know, and if, and if you're not interested in, in the water purification or the 3D technology, you'll love the makeup. Ooh. I know. I know. I half expect to scroll down and see, you know, a picture of a picture of Justin Bieber <laughs> underneath him, sort of a, a picture of here's a typical oil engineer, and there'll be about four fawning girls <laughs> with nice pigtails, um, and then there'll be a, a paragraph underneath that talking about the importance of householding and wearing <laughs> gingham dresses and getting everything neat and tidy at home. What century is this? What is what's wrong with these people? Why can't they accept? Why can't ExxonMobil accept that climate change is bad? Why won't they stop giving money to shonky scientists? Why won't they stop spending thirty-five billion dollars in twenty fifteen alone? Why won't they stop trying to get girls involved just because they can talk to them about manufacturing cosmetics? What's going on? It's just unforgivably bad, the whole thing. They're so they're so evil, they've even got two X's in their name, for goodness sake. I mean, that should have been a warning sign when they set up in whatever century it was. Um, and I, I haven't actually seen the, the, press, the original press release, but I would bet, I bet two things. One, it's probably got a nice kind of pastel shade of pink on it somewhere to attract the ladies. And also, I would bet that it's been written by a man because only a crusty old oil tycoon type would do something so stupid as this. <laughs> So we have got our first ever guest on the show, save for my five-year-old niece, Arabella. Um, and it is political genius, veteran and skinhead, Martin Williams. Hello, Martin. Hello, Ollie. D- Dave's here too, you can say oh, that Oh, and Dave. Hello, Dave. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, no, you two just carry on. That's all right. I'll, <laughs> I'll sit here twiddling my thumbs and getting quietly drunk in the corner. <laughs> Dave's on holiday, so he's drinking beer. It could... Could all go a bit wrong. Um, how are you, Martin? I'm very good, thanks. Yeah, how about you two? Yeah, very good. And um, we should say we, we've, we've asked Martin to come along because we, as with the election approaching, we're particularly interested in how that's all going to play out on the environment. Um, and Martin, am I right in thinking that you have campaigned through four elections? Is that, is that about right? 97, 2001, 2005, 2010. No, this will be my fifth. So yes, I have campaigned three, four. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I guess the first question is, did you achieve anything? Um, 
there were occasional things which which did work. Uh, I remember um, a bit of a stroke of luck with uh, the ninety seven election when we were trying to persuade the Labour Party to put wildlife legislation um, in to protect sites of special scientific interest, and we wanted those to be a part of the government's uh, for, you know first term uh, commitments. And um, there was a really helpful farmer down on the South Downs who ploughed up an SSI just just to show how bad it was. And and we got a huge amount of media coverage and it became a much bigger issue than the election. I think it probably would have done otherwise. So there's been things like that that have happened. And um, when you say a really helpful farmer, was that you? No, it wasn't me. And it was helpful in campaign terms rather than for... I can't remember what lived on that particular site, a special scientific interest, but whatever was living there, it probably wasn't very helpful. Oh, it's just going to be some sort of gnat, isn't it? We've got one of them SSSIs near our house. It's got gnats in it. It wasn't even a gnat. It was a plant or lots of plants. In fact, also, he ploughed it, and a lot of people went down and turned the sort of turf or whatever it was back over and replanted it again. It apparently recovered quite well. So no harm done in the long run. Yeah, maybe we should have done it on purpose. Um, (laughs) The other thing that we did quite well in a few elections was actually not to run a great big high-profile campaign and, and, you know, have a farmer plough an SSI up or anything similar, but was just to... um, you know, work with the candidates locally and get a lot of them committed to whatever it was that we wanted to do in the next parliament so that we started a new parliament with two or three hundred MPs having said they would back whatever new law or whatever new campaign it was. And it just puts you in a really good position then to um, to introduce sort of new ideas into that parliament. So there's a few ways of doing it, but um, there's also an awful lot of other noise around elections and an awful lot of, you know, external pressure, which is very difficult to override. So it, it depends big difference between an election where you know what the outcome will be and one like this where it's already quite uncertain um but yeah i think that, that it definitely things can be achieved it's just uh, it's just very hard to cut through the noise if you're looking at this election now what should green-minded voters try and do about it what what can we be asking of our politicians to fix everything fix the mess we're in i think it is a difficult election there is there's not a great deal of environmentalism being, um, you know, at the heart of this election campaign. None of the parties have really made a great deal of it. I mean, you could argue that when David Cameron did make a big deal of, of voting blue and going green next time, it didn't get us very far either. So perhaps it's not a disaster. But it is a, it is a difficult time, I think, for the environment. It's very difficult to be heard above the, the economic problems that there are. Um, that said, you know, every single person who's out there is a voter. When people knock on the door, you can sort of quiz your candidate on what they're going to do for it. You can make them realise that there are people out there who still care about it and and think it's still going to matter once we have cleared the economic problems that we've got at the minute. And, um, you know, if we're not doing it, then it just makes the, the whole sort of spiral just gets worse and worse. God, Blunt, you must want to top yourself sometimes. You've been at this for however long it is, best part of 20 years, lobbying politicians for green stuff, calling for elections to be greener. And, you know, you're telling us about it now, and it, just looking back on it, you must think, you must get so depressed, don't you? Well, that's why I'm going to give it up. Um, <laughs> there's, no, there's an element of that. that. I mean, these things do have cycles to them, as, as do all sorts of other sort of political um, issues. And we went through a really sort of major upswing where, you know, that period when Cameron was in the Atlantic, in the Antarctic, in the Atlantic, I'm wishing, um, <laughs> when Cameron went to the Arctic and rode around with his huskies, when, when he really sort of, you know, forced Blair to put um, some very sort of capable people in as environment ministers and make it a, a big issue. So he had the, the two Miliband brothers as Hillary Benn as well. You know, the Climate Change Act was going through. 
all of the sort of changes which have led to the um, subsidies, which have you know have made a very big difference to the amount of renewable energy that we've got. Not to mention, as as we mm. said earlier, recycling and the way that we deal with waste. That was all at the top of an upswing. Now, you can get depressed about the fact it goes into a downswing. Um, the thing that makes me a little bit less depressed about that than I probably would be otherwise is that I think we caught that last upswing and I think we locked a lot of things in. So there was a bit of a high point of interest in the environment yeah. and through various laws that were passed and various agreements that were made and those sorts of things, it's been much more difficult for Cameron and Osborne to back away from them too far. Um, you know, they've got carbon budgets they have to meet because of the Climate Change Act. Yeah. And I think, that's, uh, I think that's something that when we look back on, we can be quite proud. Whereas if you go back further, before the time when I was an activist on this sort of stuff, when the Greens hit 15% in the Euro elections back in the um, 80s, you know, that it's very hard to point to that time and say, what are the things that came out of that? Where, where are the laws that resulted from the Greens getting 15% in a national election? Um, they're not as clear. And, and I know it's a long time ago now, and, and whatever laws would probably have sort of, you know, been replaced anyway. But I don't think... Although there was a real spike in interest, it just led to the other parties sort of talking a bit greener and shifting their own policies around a bit, but without a really major transformation. So, yeah, we're going through a downturn. We have to defend as much as we can and um, and be prepared that when there's an upturn that we lock the next level of stuff in. <laughs> if you want a positive thing for the fact that environment will come back up the agenda and we will get a lot more attention on it again, it's that all the problems are getting worse. I mean, we're back to the right. blowing up in a society. Um, <laughs> so that's a positive thing. This is it, isn't cool. it? This is it. Oh, um, but because the problems aren't going to go away, every government has to be greener than the one before. It doesn't mean it's green enough for its time or to meet the problems that we face at that moment. But every government will get a little bit greener. And um, the question is whether the amount green they get can catch up with the with the level of activity that is needed to, to solve the problems that we face at that point. So with this election um, being so unpredictable, I mean, everyone says that, don't they? And it's, it's a media thing. Oh, this is the most unpredictable election of a, of a generation or it's the most important election of a generation. But this one does seem to be particularly um, weird. And and the, the shifts are profound, aren't they? You've, you suddenly had a rapid turnaround in the, in the look of Scotland politically. Uh, the rise of the Greens um, a bit in the UK and the kind of continued erosion of the vote of Labour and the Tories. So what, given given that none of the parties have a good chance, um, I mean, have a chance, but not a good chance of commanding an overall majority, what's the point of their manifestos and, and what can what can we achieve in them? I think that's a really good question. It's something that it depends to what extent we continue with these sort of multi-party elections where it is unlikely someone will get um, a, a, you know, a, a, an overall majority. But And it's a bit of an evolving thing as well. Um, it's difficult for parties to come out with a policy in which they say, well, these are our policies in the manifesto, and these are the ones we really mean, because it does immediately sound like they don't mean the other ones. So mm -hmm. I think it is an evolving thing to show how the parties can... Uh, you know, put forward their policies and their ideas and their commitments for what they're going to do, while knowing they probably can't do it and they're going to have to negotiate on it later. I mean, in many ways, that is what hit the Liberal Democrats last time. They 
student loans is the obvious thing but there are various other things within our line of interest is the whole decarbonisation agenda you know where you've got mm. a party with a clear commitment to decarbonisation that won't vote for it in parliament mm. it's bound to make people angry it's bound to lead to huge disappointment and and, and you know and, and there needs to be a better way of dealing with it and I think they are fumbling their way towards it and will probably continue to do so of course it's also possible that you know we'll, we'll whatever this election turns out like we might have another one in a year or two afterwards and and views might settle much more heavily on one party or another and the entire sort of worry over the last two elections will all then evaporate and we'll go back to the swinging backwards and forwards i find that a bit hard to believe because i think i do think the major parties have moved so far from sort of people's core concerns or core sympathies there just isn't the kind of um I'm a Labour man or I'm a Conservative, my family have always been Conservative sort of attitude that there was in, in years gone by. Uh, you're not born into a party anymore. Um, people are a lot more fickle and, and chop and choose. Um, and, and I think, you know, that, that is going to change. I find it hard to believe it will go back to the old system, but we will have to see. All right. Well, this has all been very um, serious and, and proper. Uh, but what I really want to know, and I think what Dave has been dying to ask, is um, have you ever had a physical fight with an MP? Yeah, and if not, why not? No. Oh. I've told one I hated him. <laughs> what? To, to his face? Yeah, sitting in mm. his office. Um, I was, <laughs> How did I that was, happen? I was trying to persuade him to take up a bill that we were um, promoting. Dad. He did. He did, did he? You have you have an extremely persuasive lobbying technique. <laughs> did you really hate him, or was that just a ruse? No, I actually really like him. He's ah. a lovely. He is a lovely man. Um, it, it was a bit of both. He, he it was a cross-party campaign that we had um, brought together, and he said he was the wrong person to do a cross-party campaign because all of the Labour MPs hated him. And. Um, I said, yeah. Well, to be honest, I always hated you as well, but I'm prepared to work with you, and if I. If I can do it, then so can all of them, and um, and it worked. He, I think, he sort of took that <laughs> confession of honesty and and um, commitment uh, more seriously. No, I mean it was a slightly light-hearted comment. It had a little bit of truth to it, I'll admit. But um, but no, I, I he's a lovely man who I've got on very well with ever since. And I, but there was no fighting involved. Would you ever? Would you ever be an MP yourself? Could you ever see yourself doing it? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean. It's a strange job, and I do have a lot of time for for many of them. Um, I think there's a lot of things wrong with it, though. I, there's, um, it is very, very difficult to hold the government to account when you're also subject to all of that party discipline. Um, most MPs are sort of constantly reassuring themselves that they are going to vote for this thing, even though they don't really agree with it, because there's something else they're not going to agree with more, and they won't be listened to if they disagree on everything sort of thing and that's a horrible balance to sort of constantly have to um have i think the other thing which i've always found i've I've never really known if i like this or i don't like it but you know mps put a huge amount of effort and not all of them but most of them put a huge amount of effort into their constituencies and going to constituency surgeries and helping people out and um on the one side that is admirable i mean it you know it is they are people who in a position to help and there's a lot of people who need help and it's great that they do it but in another way I sometimes think it becomes a bit of a displacement activity for the fact they're not really holding the government to account they're not really able to make the changes that they probably went into politics to change uh, to, or to achieve and and it just becomes almost a bit of an excuse for the job and I think it it may keep people in 
the post sort of feeling they are doing some good on a day-to-day basis which they are for individuals mm. well in a sense the way in which the country is run is neglected and that, i don't completely know that you know the role of lawmaker also ought to be the sort of role of, sort of general um complaint dealer social services provider and, and everything else that they're, they're, they're ought really to be a slightly different way of doing it i don't want them to stop because it's important they do it but I'll, I think I would prefer somebody else did it and MPs could get on with what they're really supposed to do, which is scrutinising legislation and making sure the country's run properly. All right. Well, um, we've got one last question, and this is this is from um, a friend of the Babble and uh, an old colleague of yours, I believe, who is um, Robin Webster. And she has asked, and I get the feeling she knows the answer, but I wants us to ask us any ask it anyway. What is the weirdest place you place you've ever been when talking to a journalist on the phone? Oh, that's quite hard. Um, I mean, I, I for a long time I worked. I went part time in two thousand and three, just before my daughter was born. So for very very sort of large parts of my time at friends of the earth i was only technically working three days a week and looking after two tiny little kids the other two days so i was constantly having to answer the phone while changing a nappy which is is, you know trying to trying to talk seriously to a journalist on the phone while changing a nappy is really difficult and even worse if you had to do a live radio interview and i will confess as a bad parent to locking myself in the bathroom so i could do radio interviews without the kids getting on of me um (laughs) And you know, I could hear the scratching at the door and stuff. I was trying to find me, but I just don't forget through scratching this. Scratching at the door, it'll be all right. Yeah, Are your kids wolves. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I have done them in funny places. I think the worst ones have been while, um, yeah, while changing nappies, stroke feeding uh, babies, and um, the, the one advantage I have to say that you have as a man staying at home to look after young kids is that I, I don't know, but I suspect there are journalists out there who would heartily disapprove of having to phone a woman who was in the middle of looking after their child um, while they were trying to get a quote and just you know usually I'd phone them back five minutes later it wasn't a big deal but um, I suspect there's some fairly terse journalists out there I just don't think they'd accept that from a woman but when it was a man doing it I got away with absolute murder and usually was praised for it and um, got got huge amounts of brownie points with some journalists for for being such a new man Um, so yeah, I, I think I got away with it in a way that probably women wouldn't, which isn't at all fair, but it's nice every now and then to get a bit of a special treatment. Oh, you should go work for ExxonMobil. You'd, you'd fit in beautifully. <laughs> OK, well, and, and with that, we should say um, thank you very much to the environment's very own Justin Bieber, the ever-youthful Martin Williams. Thank you so much for coming on, Martin, and um, uh, good luck with your in uh, your your MP career, which is obviously around the corner, despite you telling us it's not. No, I, I'm going straight for the Lords. So I'm going to miss out the House of Commons. <laughs> All right, nice one. We'll speak to you soon. Thank you very Thanks. much. Thanks. See you. Down a notch, Dave. It's the musical about all what's happening. I'm scared. It's that time of night. You're on holiday. We're all friends. We're all comfortable. Mm. There's a <sighs> very, very good reason to be cheerful this week. Oh um, not only this seductive music, not only the fact that you've got a beer in your hand and you're on holiday, but 
there is an innovative new product, an innovative, sexy new product out there, which I, I'd like you to explain to the listeners. I don't like this, I'm scared, and I feel very awkward, and my mum listens to this, and Arabella <laughs> listens to this, and this is all, this is all very bad. Carry um, on, so, it'll be fine. Um, it might just be best if you play the clip. Pornhub presents The Band. The first gadget for the wearable tech era that allows men to love the planet by loving themselves. A device that generates power by motion and adapts naturally to your routine, working during your most relaxed and self-gratifying moment of the day and generating electricity from a natural source. Manpower. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's what it is. It's, mm. uh, you, know, you know, when you... Um... When you are by yourself, um, maybe of an evening or, you know, when you're unemployed or something and, and you you spend a lot of time at the computer studying, mm. don't you? Mm. Studying, uh, you know, uh, biology and uh, genealogy and sociology. Yeah, absolutely. And mm. fridge maintenance and that sort of thing. <laughs> and um, And it seems somebody has worked out that that's an awful, uh, all of that energy that you produce when studying very hard um is kind of wasted and that's an awful terrible thing what with the state of the planet and all of that and um it's a a terrible thing so now what uh, what they reckon they can do is capture that kinetic energy um that you produce while writing extremely hard um with your with your pen um (laughs) and they reckon it's it's for your fountain pen when you can't get the ink out and you're you're shaking away just trying to get that ink to flow I don't like this. Yes, that's <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what you're doing. Um and uh so that's that's what it is. So uh, good news because the global energy crisis will be sorted and in in your case you can power a battleship and several <laughs> streets of Manhattan. I I resent that accusation. However, I'm not going to deny it. Uh there are 2,273,970 people who have seen this video, Dave. Crikey Moses. Um which <laughs> which means well, it can only mean that we're under something because, as you know, uh, any video on YouTube that has more than 20 people uh, watching it is, is by definition, a serious contribution to the world of science mm. and research. So, um, oh, look, come on, we, we, know, we know what this really is. It's clearly an advert for one of those um, research portals for grown-ups. Um, uh, li- those li- online libraries where you can mm. um, you can do choose what book you want to study and yeah the, the visual visual libraries yes the visual yes the visual libraries where you can ju- and, and then you can spend up to 35 minutes at a time studying <laughs> as as credit cards allow um yes. you know it's clearly it's clearly an advert for for one of them isn't it and who knows whether anyone anywhere has even got beyond the concept stage of this product but i like it it's a bit of fun and my god we need to smile um what with the planet going down the tube and mm. uh you know everything else gone look at your face look at your little face i can see how miserable you are i just feel very uncomfortable i don't even really know what you're talking about i've never been to one of these websites i don't know anything about it and i need to go away now because i, I don't like this at all complete and utter nasty direct of the week so every week uh we have a little look at the nasty people out there the the blighters the small people who are making our miserable little lives that much worse because of their nastiness what what's what's happened who's done it what's gone on oh, enough what 
Inhofe. We've talked about Inhofe before, haven't we? Ah, you're an American man doesn't think climate change is a thing. Oh, God, but he really doesn't. I mean, some of these people who who don't think climate change is happening are having a bit of a laugh or they're poking at leftists or, you know, they're, they're confused about some aspect of the science. But this guy really thinks it's all made up. I mean, he really thinks, Senator James Inhofe, he really thinks this entire thing is all made up. It's it's terrifying. Did you did you hear what he did this week? I did. I did. It's it defies belief. Yeah. He took a snowball into the Senate. Well, have a listen. In case we have forgotten, because we keep hearing that 2014 has been the warmest year on record. I asked the chair, you know what this is? It's a snowball. And that's just from outside here. So it's very, very cold out. So, so let, let me get this straight. The guy is trying to illustrate that global warming isn't happening because in February, winter, there's snow outside. In, in Washington, D.C., which is, yeah, a place yeah. where it snows quite a lot. He has elevated the art of being a complete and utter nasty toe rag so high that we should name this entire section after him. Yeah, we should. In Hoff of the Week. I'm up for it. In half of the week, in half of the week, you, you terrible in half. That means we don't have to swear either. You no, terrible right. in half. You massive, massive in half. Complete and total in half. He's in half that one up. There's an in half coming in. <laughs> you got any more things that you said? Just I mean, because this is the point. It's, this isn't just one off form, isn't it? He's not just pitched up out of nowhere with a snowball. He's got form on this. He's got form. There's a page on the website, uh, Skeptical Science, which we should which we should post, which basically just looks at you know looks at myths. And he just he says stuff like um, the fact that this is a direct quote: the claim that global warming is caused by man-made emissions is simply untrue and not based on sound science. So. I would have, you know, we've had some complete and utter nasty toe rag in Hoffs on here before who have tried to say it is happening, but it's not a problem or something like that. But he's actually saying it's just it's just not true. It's not based on sound science. This is a guy who walks into the Senate carrying a snowball and says, look, I've got a snowball. Therefore, climate change isn't happening. When Andrew Neil does that kind of thing, he's joking. He's being he's being a, a massive troll, but he is joking. This guy really believes it you know and it's so incredibly easy to debunk that you must you kind of think well is he just the world's biggest troll is it are we just being phenomenally (laughs) trolled by this guy is he so good at trolling that he's managing to to like make all the other trolls look like they're not trolling it's just just amateurs just amateurs (laughs) he'll be delighted if he is the world's biggest troll he's going to be absolutely thrilled and I'm sure he listens to this podcast, he's going to be thrilled that we've made an entire section in his honour. Um, and, yeah, you know, hi, James. You're in. You've, you've made it. You're this in. is the, yeah. the pinnacle of your career, you snowball lobbing in half. Prediction time. So, prediction time. And I was a silly billy, wasn't I? Because my prediction of last week was that there would be over 40,000 people on the climate march which you're going on and i'm not and the problem is we're recording this before that climate march has happened which is mm. happening this weekend and mm. it's currently not this weekend yet so we don't know whether that's going to happen or not and i i 
fall upon your clemency and ask you to let me uh, to let me extend my <laughs> oh, prediction. Steady. It's a family show. I'll leave my clemency out of it. I'll be gentle um, <laughs> and uh, ask you, can I can I have an extra week for that prediction to come true, please? Because just because we're recording earlier than we should have. Yes, all right. I'll, I will allow that. Uh, that, is, right. that is an oversight, but um, I'm a forgiving type. Right. So your turn then. Okay, so I have got the rare and unusual pleasure of going up to Green Party Spring Conference tomorrow. Wow. Mm. Wow. Something I've never done before. I've been to the party conferences of the other main parties several times. Mm -hmm. Uh, Never been to the Greens. And as you know, you've been to party conferences, haven't you? Yeah, I've been. Yeah, yeah. Hateful experience. (laughs) Hateful, did you say? Hateful experience. Mm. Yeah, detest it. Get get scurvy. Um, Get foot blisters. (laughs) And get given an awful amount of literature. A huge amount of literature that you don't want. Mm, well, that, and that is my prediction, actually. Because, uh, as, as you rightly say, there's a lot of people who are very keen to give you literature about things they yep. care about. And often, some of these things are a bit niche. And I reckon, right, mm. that someone's going to give me a, a real conspiracy theory type leaflet. Right. And right. I'm not wishing Liz- to cut control the Greens the... in particular. Right. You know, because it's... it's a, Party conferences are where the keen beans go for any party, and you know yep. it's their it's their big day out. Uh, but I think there's going to be conspiracy theory central pointing my way. In particular, a leaflet on how the government are ruining our lives by spraying chemicals in the air behind planes, chemtrails. Do you know what uh, I mean by chemtrails? Uh, the plane juice, the stuff coming out the back of planes when they fly. Mm. That those white trail things. What some people think they're government. Uh, chemical mind altering drugs or something don't they controlling us all turning us into lizards that's right isn't it (laughs) that's the one yeah Mm. so i reckon i'll get a leaflet will be thrust into my hand because i'm running a stall so i can't run away and they it's a bit like dogs with fear they smell it they can see that you're trapped and they come at you with your leaflets uh so that's that's what's going to happen and i think that um in order to test whether that comes true i think you should report back to next week's recording of Sustainable, holding the aforementioned leaflet um, so that everyone can see, and I'll take a picture of it and we'll put it on the Facebook feed. Because indeed, if you do get this prediction right, that you'll get given a leaflet about chemtrails, that's an extraordinarily accurate prediction, so much so that I'll expect you to have actually made it yourself just to win a prediction, (laughs) which is exactly the sort of thing you would do. Uh, I am not above that. So that is just about it for Sustainable 8. Blimey. Thank you, Sustainable 8. It's been fun. Mm, thank you to Martin in particular for being our first ever guest and for regaling us with anecdotes. Thank you, as ever, to Dickie Moore and Bearcraft for their delightful, delectable music. Thank you, Arabella, as always. Oh, thank you, Arabella. Thank you, Arabella. Sorry, you sorry about the content of today's show. Oh. Yeah, I know, I know. You're going to, we'll explain it to you when you get considerably older. Um, thank you, as always, for listening, which you can do in the usual places. You can get in touch with us at The Babble Wagon on Twitter or on our Facebook page, or drop us an email to hello at sustainababble.fish. Do check out the website at sustainababble.fish. And if you like us, pop along to iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud. Give us a little like and a review, because it all, it all goes to spreading the word about the good shit babble. Very nice. All right, Dave, we will see you next week. Have a lovely holiday. Thank you very much. I shall intend not to fall off a mountain. (laughs) Try not to. Okay, bye. Bye.